morning, good morning. Good morning, Chris. <laughs> good morning, good morning. You're never sure where to go after something like that, but anyway. <laughs> good morning, good morning. It's great to be here, and good morning to those online before I forget. And uh, it's, it's good to be back in your own home church. I've been out and about a little bit, so it's really good to be here. And uh, unfortunately, next week, I'm not sure again. I'm in LA, but um, God is good. Amen. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. It really is wonderful. God is very good. Talking about, sorry? Uh, okay. <laughs> Talking about the God of revival, I'd encourage you also to go read on, up on some revivals. It will stir your heart. It really will stir your heart. It really will stir your heart. Andrew Murray, who was a great component or preacher of revival, prayed for revival for nearly 40 years. Every Friday night for two hours, he would go aside and just literally pray for revival. And um, that was in the eight, middle 1800s. And then he passed away and his son took over. And uh, they had a church meeting going and another church meeting that was part of the same congregation, but unfortunately they were separated, whites and uh, blacks or coloreds at that stage. And in the middle of the service, a young lady put up a hand out of the colored church and said, can I say something? Because everything was fairly ordered. And the pastor said, yeah, sure, you can say something. And as she stood up to say it, revival broke. Revival broke. And the guy who was leading didn't know what to do, so he ran to Andrew Murray to come inside. I don't know what to do. And Andrew Murray, St. Junior, came. And as he walked in the door, the Lord said, this is what your dad's been praying for. And it broke. It broke into that place. And within a short time, nearly every pub in the area was closed because there was nobody going there. The jails were closed because there was nobody to look after in the jails. And revival spread from a little town called Worcester of about then maybe a thousand people and just spread to the nations of the earth. And they started a center called the Andrew Murray of Revival, revival sorry, Prayer, Revival and Mission. Impacted nations. So that's what God can do in revival. Amen. And uh, how this country needs one while we continue to do what God's called us to do. But anyway, I'm not preaching about revival, but what I do want to talk a little bit about before I preach on the Word is it'll come up on, Michelle and I started a ministry when we handed this church over, uh, just called Restoring the Wells. We believe God said, go into any area that you get called to, to restore the wells of healing, salvation, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, to restore those wells that have been blocked up. And so we're going to do something here on Friday night, the dates are up there called Free at Last on Friday night and the Saturday morning, particularly in the area of spiritual warfare and deliverance. It's a very misunderstood subject, very misunderstood subject, but yet it's something the Lord commanded us to do, go drive out demons. Amen. And people are scared of it, or it's been weird, or been wonky, or it's been out of shape. And so we're going to bring some sanity to it, some reality to it, and then we will see God bring freedom to people. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so if you're welcome to come, you're welcome to invite whoever you want to invite. Really, it's open to Leesburg and beyond. 
So I'm just saying it's not just for this church. Whoever you feel you want to invite, you're welcome to come. So I look forward to pray for it, please. Okay, so wonderful. All right, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. We're going to talk on one verse today and try and unpack one verse. Now, I'm not very good at that, but I feel that's what I need to do. So we're going to try and unpack one verse. The verse is Hebrews 6, verse 12, and it's in line with walking into our inheritance or possessing the land, or put it in my terminology, uh, possessing our promises or taking hold of the promises that God has given us. Verse 12, we do not want you to become lazy. Lazy is not a good word in the NIV. It should be dull or sluggish. Sluggish, that's what the New King James says. We do not want you to become sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Through faith and patience that we can inherit what has been promised. It's in a sense a past tense, the promise has been given. So to unpack this verse, we need to talk a little bit about the promise because we don't know what to inherit unless we understand the promise. So we're going to start at the back of the verse. So we need to talk a little bit about the promise, what we understand where it says what has been promised. And that word promised is a gift graciously given. It is not earned, not deserved. It's a gift graciously given. And it's in Acts 2.33. It will come up on the back. In Galatians 3.14 and Ephesians 1.3. It's the same word. And it's to do with the promise of the Spirit. That's what it's to do with. Those scriptures will come up. And you'll see everyone talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, what has been promised is not me going to the Word of God and reading it through and saying, Oh, I like that promise. I'll just take that one. It's what the Holy Spirit has made real to you. What the Holy Spirit has broken into your heart and shown you. Because it's got to come from the Holy Spirit. So it's what God has said to you. What's been revealed to you. So it's not in the many promises in the Word of God. But it's not me just reading through, oh, I like that promise. God's going to prosper me. Shall God's going to promise prosper us? I tell you what, let's go buy a new house. But we got nothing. Well, God said he's going to prosper us. That's where, unfortunately, we get a little bit out of sync. Because I've just taken something that he said, but it hasn't been made revelation to me. It's got to be something that's revelation to me, that's broken into my heart, that's captured my attention. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's what the promise is. That's what it is. So whatever God has said to you, it's a gracious gift that's been given to you. As I said, not earned, not deserved. It comes from his heart to say, yeah, my child, this is my promise for you. This is my promise for you. So then the Bible says it's through faith. So we have to understand a little bit about what it means by faith. Faith comes by hearing. We all know that. Romans 10, 17. You all said it. So it has to do with speaking. It has to do with communicating. 
So it has to do with knowing the one who communicated it to us. That's the heart of it. Who made the promise? Who made the promise known to you or I? And our view of God is the single biggest factor that will determine our response. Oh, what is that man? Oh, help me write that book, The Knowledge of God. The Knowledge of A.W. Tozer. Right in the front of the first page, it says, the biggest single factor, that's where I got it from, is who you understand God to be, who you think God is, will determine your walk. So to explain this a little bit, let's go to Matthew 25. Because the one who has made the promise, so if I come to, <laughs> this is a family joke, when my kids would say to me, you think it's going to rain? And I said, yes, it's going to rain. I guarantee it's going to rain. And then it, would, it didn't rain. So my kids used to say, dad's guarantees are useless. Don't listen to his guarantees. So it's not like that, if you understand what I'm saying. Matthew 25. Let's go to verse 19. It's about the parable of the talents. Most of you know what it's about. Verse 19, it says, so you'll see it's the talents that were given. They were given. And actually, the Bible tells us those talents were money. The money is given, but it's a principle that the Lord wants to bring across. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and set accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought another five Master, he said, you entrusted me, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It's interesting. One had five, grew to ten. One had two, grew to four. They both got the same response. It's what God has given you. Don't compare it to the person next to you. Please don't do that. They both got the same response. God didn't measure it by the size. He measured it by what you did with it. Verse 24, Then the man who had received one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent. Think about where you first heard that. Who was afraid and hid? Adam and Eve. I was afraid and I hid. Well done, Josh, you pass. Okay. <laughs> so I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here it belongs to you. So the third man responds of what was given to him. What he did with it was his view of the person who gave it to him. So he responded totally different. We need a very high view of God. He's God. And he's for us. He's not against us. And so when he gives us a gracious promise, it's from his heart to your heart. And he's willing, 
He's more wanting us to succeed than we are. Or to walk into the fullness of it. Or to take hold of it. When we make the promise about you or me, we'll miss the point. The promise has to be made about him. When we make the promise about you or me, when it becomes about me, I will miss it. Because my eyes will be on me instead of my eyes on the one who gave me the promise. It's very key to understand that. Our view of God is the single biggest factor that will determine our response, our stickability, that's my word, gumption, that's my word, our patience and our endurance. Our view of God. God, increase our view of you. I encourage you. So coming back to Hebrews 6.12. So it's through faith, the one who's communicated his promise to us, and patience that we inherit what is promised. Then the writer to Hebrews goes on and he talks to help us understand this. He says, when God made his promise to Abram, since there was no one greater for him to swear, to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, just as through faith and patience, waiting patiently, Abram inherited what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, wherever Jesus, where Jesus went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So the writer to Hebrews is saying, through faith and patience you'll inherit what is promised. He uses Abram as an example, and how God came to Abram and promised him things. And Abram had to wait patiently to inherit those promises. But he goes on to say that the promise was an oath that he took, God took on behalf of Abram, to fulfill this promise. That's what he did, to make it sure that this promise would come to pass. That's what he's trying to explain here. Then he's saying, but we have this incredible hope, Jesus Christ, who came and who's gone behind the curtain, who's our anchor. And that word where it says, who went before us, is the word in the, I think it's in the New King James, it uses forerunner. The forerunner, when the boats wanted to enter the harbor and the sea was very tumultuous and there was a storm, they got these small boats, they're called forerunners. And the forerunner would take the anchor from this boat and take it and anchor it into the harbor. So the ship's here in the storm, but it's anchor into the harbor. So the, what the bride in Hebrews is saying, the Lord has taken us and anchored us in heaven while we still might be out at sea over here. That's the hope he wants to give us. And so I've anchored you there. You're anchored there. I entered heaven for you and anchored you there. 
You have this anchor as assurance, as a hope. So no matter what happens here and the seas and the ups and downs, no, you're anchored right here. And one day you will come there. That's the encouragement he's trying to give. Amen. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. In Hebrews 7, it says this, verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, talking about the Old Testament. And better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. Verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely or to the uttermost those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede. Folk, if I, when this hit me, if you can grab this, God comes and gives you a promise. And he says, that promise I've given to you, but it's through faith and patience you will enter into that promise. You will enter into your promised land. But understand that me and my son, we've made a covenant. I have taken an oath that my son will forever be the priest like my Charles did. Forever and ever. He will be your priestly king. And because of that oath, he will watch over you. He will take you in the sea and anchor you when you trust in him. That's all you're going to do. And anchor you in heaven. And the promise I've given you, yeah, he will watch over you as long as you keep your eyes on him and as long as you believe in him and as long as you embrace him and as long as you keep looking to him and as long as you gaze upon him and as long as you fix your mind upon him and as long as you give him your attention, he will fulfill the promise in your life because of the oath that I've taken with my son. That's why it's about him. Save you forever, to the uttermost. But then there's a little word in between, patience. That's the word we struggle with. Patience. It has to be through patience. So because of the oath taken between the Father and the Son, it's never about my feelings or my behavior or my shortcomings. Because when we focus on that, we feel like we don't deserve the promise. Who knows what I'm talking about? That's why the Bible keeps saying, no, 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 Ken, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on me who anchored you in heaven. Who anchored your soul right there. You know, you're feeling some waves here and some ups and downs, but you're anchored. Because in Hebrews 9, it says, Lord Jesus entered heaven on our behalf. Hallelujah. So, through faith and patience, let's talk a little bit about this patience part. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says this. Do not throw away your confidence. 
Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. Do not throw away your confidence. So it's talking about faith and patience. It's endurance. It's long-suffering. So I looked that word up because I thought that would be a good thing to do. And this is what the lexicon said about this word patience and the word perseverance. It's the word long-suffering. And it says this. To suffer long, to be long-suffering as opposed to be given to hasty anger or punishment. To endure patiently as opposed to experiencing despondency. It is used of Abram's long-suffering under the pressure of trying circumstances. Involves exercising understanding and patience towards people. Towards people, things, or circumstances. It is the quality of a person who has power to avenge himself, yet refrains from doing so. It is associated with mercy. It is associated with hope and does not allow one to surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It's generally significant, sorry, it's to do with endurance. It's patient perseverance under suffering in faith and duty. That's what that word means. So it's through faith and patience. The patience part, when we wait on God, that's when he does the work in our hearts as we patiently look to him. That's when he comes to sort the issues out inside of me. That's when he comes to put some stuff in and take some stuff out as a weight upon him. It's this place that God is graciously working some of the things out of my life. It is this place that God is graciously working some things in my life. So he's preparing me to receive the promise that he promised he would give me so when I receive the promise and begin to walk in it, it doesn't become a distraction from who he is and it doesn't cause my downfall. That's what it's about. And it'll give him glory. It is this time that is helpful and imperative to see and understand the faithfulness of God. Because it's in the faith and the patient part when everything's going like this. Who knows what I'm talking about? And there's turmoil, and there's uncertainty, and we're not sure what's happening. And I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with that, and I'm wondering this. What I do in those times is then I take this, and I look to the faithfulness of God. I go back in my life, and I look to the faithfulness of God in what is done in my life, despite the things that I have done or haven't done. I could write a book on the faithfulness of God. I honestly could. Don't worry, I can't write books, trust me. But the faithfulness of God, the Bible says when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. God is faithful. God is faithful. To do what he promised to do. Will we give him the time to do what he needs to do inside of us so we can inherit the promise 
that is promised us? Will we keep our eyes in the right place? Will we keep looking to him and not to ourselves or our circumstances? Then he will work within us. Hebrews 3, 6 says, Christ is faithful as a son of a God's house, and we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. That word, hold on to our courage, is the act of speaking. If we hold on to the act of speaking and declaring who God is and his faithfulness. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. To the hope we profess. So I get into Psalms. I take Psalms, and we're going to put some Psalms up there. Psalm 89. Go to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Verse 1. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever and that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Verse 5, the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Psalm 62. These scriptures shall come up on the back. Verse 1. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock. He alone is my rock. And my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is the mighty rock of my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Put your hearts out to Him. For God is our refuge. So I turn to these and I declare them and I read them and I say them when I'm going through these patient times or this patient endurance. Let's go to one more psalm, Psalm 145. Trying to give you something in your hands. I will extol you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your your mighty acts. I've rung that word, your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell the power of your awesome deeds. They will proclaim your great deeds. They will declare, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Verse 11, they will tell of the glory of your kingdom. They will speak of your might. All men will know of your mighty acts. 
the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who bow down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, loving towards all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in, in truth or in sincerity. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise your holy name. That's what I do. And I just declare it. So I don't make it about me. Lord, it's your salvation. Your might. Your grace. According to your loving kindness. According to your mercy. According to your patience. According to your love. According to your word. According to your promise according to your goodness, according to your might. That's what gets us through that patient part. I encourage you. And we will inherit the promises that he has made. The one who has spoken is faithful. The one who has communicated is faithful. He does not lie. And what he has communicated, he has revealed to you in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait patiently. The Bible says, Abram, in Abraham, I, don't, I haven't got this in my notes. In Romans 4, 4, 18, 19, and 20, although Abram knew in the natural he could not produce children, but he believed God, that God was able to do what he promised to do. Therefore, he was an inheritor of the promise. It's not about our behavior. It's not about how good we're doing. It's about what we believe. That's what it comes down to. What we believe and who we believe. Do we believe what he says about himself? Do we believe that Jesus will do and save us to the uttermost because he's a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek that an oath was taken between the father and the son and says, son, you're a priest forever. You will live to intercede for my people. You will die for my people. You will pay the price for my people. Everything that they deserve, I'm putting on you and you will be the priest and you will live to intercede and you will anchor them in heaven. You'll take them in the fiery furnace and put their soul and anchor into heaven as a sure hope foundation for what's to come as they wait patiently for the promise that I've given them that they will walk into on this earth and see it fulfilled. With faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. I'm going to end with a story, and it's not about myself, but... 
not in my notes, but I just feel to say this. We travel, Michelle and I. We don't have much. Actually, we don't have anything. <laughs> we have a home and cars and that. But yet we live like people that have a lot because of the generosity of other people. But it's ultimately my Father in heaven that moved upon their heart to do it. And they were obedient to it. And I praise God and I thank God for that. But it started way back. I was in business before I got saved in the financial area. And I started to do fairly well. But unfortunately, I gambled away. I was a profuse gambler, horse racing. It's an addiction. I would sleep, eat, and dream gambling. I would lie to my wife about it so she didn't know the amount of money I was spending. I provided for the family, but we had nothing because I was wasting it all on the horses. Then I got saved. I got saved in May, and from May to December, I did more business in May to December than I probably did in the previous three years combined. Yet I only worked half the time because my heart was caught up with God. And as a result, I won a number of rewards. At the end of the year, I became the broker of the year in South Africa. And so as a result, Michelle and I were given tickets to go to America. We had never put foot out of our province, out of our state. Never. We were given tickets, all expenses paid first class, to go to America. This was in 1986. To go to Portugal, and I think to Hawaii, I can't remember. Over the next, sorry, it was Portugal and America. Those we were due to fly out in March. In February, I got a phone call from a pastor down in Cape Town. He said, "Listen, by the grace of God, we have an opening for you to come and be a youth pastor." I only got saved the May before, and then just started to devour the Bible. He had heard what had happened to me. And through a number of circumstances, they wanted somebody who had a degree and somebody who had a musical talent to come and be the, pastor, the youth pastor of the church. And as many of you know, I do not have a musical talent. I love music. <laughs> <laughs> I was somewhere else and that was handed out. But anyway. <laughs> so there were 12 applications for this job. The guy said, put your application in, but it has to go through the process. We were at the bottom of the pile, he told me. And they slowly went through the applications. They offered the job to that one, and they said yes. Then they turned it down to that one. They said yes, and they turned it down. They offered a job for four people, and they all turned it down. Three said yes, and then at the last minute, it turned it down. There was one left. That was Michelle and I. Last, number 12. We were delighted. We didn't know what it did tell. We didn't know what it did, whatever. So he phoned me, and he said, well, we've accepted you. So I said, oh, okay, wonderful. We went to see somebody who we knew heard the Lord because we, we were still learning that process. And we said, listen, we've been offered this position down in Cape Town. Should he take it? Michelle and I went to an evening service at some other church. He called three or four people around and he said, this is, let's pray for them. And this was the guy's answer to me. He said, when you get there, that's what he said. That's how he answered me. When you get there, do not worry about what's going to happen. Just get on with what God's told you to do. I didn't understand at the time. I understand it later. 
Because when we got there, we started to really work with the youth and things started to happen. And it started to upset some people in the church. But the pastor of the church just protected us. Oh, this is easy. He really protected us. We did nothing bad. It's just the presence of God was coming upon the kids and things were happening and they were not used to that. But in February, the pastor phoned me and said, you need to come and start by the middle of February. And I said to him, but you know, I have this trip that we've won, Michelle and I, to go to Portugal and America, all expenses, but it's in March. Can we not start in March? And he said, ah, oh, no, you need to start in February. So we looked at one another and said, oh, we've got a choice to make. And obviously, by the grace of God, we made the choice to forgo the trip that was graciously paid on our behalf, a wonderful trip. And we went to Cape Town. And the Lord said to me, oh, now, now I will send you to the nations. I will send you to the nations. I will send you to the nations. God has been faithful to that promise. As we laid something down that was very close that we wanted to do, God says, I will now send you to the nations. And the first time we wanted to go to a nation was India, and we had no money. None. And the man, we were living in a house, renting it, and the man had a, was part of the property, had a little, what do you call it, cottage next to us. And every morning, I would hear him, he parked his car on a road like that, and every morning I'd hear him push his car, go, huh, 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 climb in the car and go. Anyway, we invited him for dinner one night, Michelle and I, just to connect, and we found out he was a Christian. And as through the night we were talking, and he said, you know, what do you guys want to do? And he said, well, you know, we really feel like we want to go to India for a while. And, and we're just trusting God for the finance. Because he asked. And the next morning he knocked on my door, 6.30. And I said, who's on my door, 6.30? It was him. He said, yeah, here's your money for India. He said, I've been saving for a car. God told me to give it to you. Here's your money for India. We went to India, we came back, and every morning I heard him pushing his car down the road, and I was very humbled, because I knew what it cost him. And we felt like God said, I'm sending you to Taiwan, but we did not have the money again. And I'd just recently been speaking to a man, and by the grace of God, he got saved as I was speaking to him. So he asked to meet me for coffee a week later, and he had a jacket on, I'll never forget it. And he said, I heard you want to go to Taiwan. And I said, yeah, we believe him for it. He opened his jacket pocket and he pulled out an envelope and he said, yes, your Taiwan money. That has happened to us again and 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 again. We came to this nation with literally $100 in our back pocket, but we knew we were coming to some people who had been introduced to. He has graciously, graciously watched over us. Huh. And God started to work in this church and started to add people. And we continued to go to the nations, although we didn't have money. 
Because the Bible says clearly, go into all the nations. Go into all the nations. And preach my word. So we've always had nations in our heart. And then when we handed this church over, we decided to start restoring the wells. And we had nothing. And by the grace of God, thank you. People that I knew well came and started to help and support us and gave us money to put in the, the bank to help with the ministry. And we've continued to go to the nations. So I said I could write a book on the faithfulness of God. There are more. But I want to encourage you people. There's nothing you can lay down for the Lord that he will not return a hundredfold. Nothing. Nothing. God is faithful. He will watch over you and he will watch over his word. So you can walk into, through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. Amen. Bless you. Yeah. Just to quickly say, you know, growing up in this home, the battles you fight for, they go to your children. The victories go to your children. When I got saved, and uh, my dad actually traveled to where I was after I got saved, I think he wanted to see if it was real, and because uh, I was very good at not being saved. And um, <laughs> within about six months, they asked me, just like him, to come into ministry and so forth, and I, similar, I sold everything I had, I went from living in a double-story apartment as a single guy with making money to, into someone's garage. And I slept there for two years. But then I, about six months after ministry, they, we did a lot of trips. It was a much bigger church, a couple thousand. And we were taking some trips in, further up into Africa. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go to this country called Malawi. And, uh, but because of their life and what they had laid down and what I saw, I said, all right, Lord, I'll go. I mean, I had like nothing. And so, you know, we went and I put my name down and they said, you have to pay by such a date, you know. So I said, no problem. <laughs> and yet it, it wasn't that much of a, re it was terrifying, but it wasn't like, because they won a victory, it was easier for me. And I said, no, God, will, I knew it was the Lord, God will provide, trust, you'll see, you'll see. Well, that was tested. The next day, the next day, the next week, the next week. Then I said to the Lord, I'm praying, and we're having a prayer meeting that night as the church, and I said, Lord, unless, you know when you speak to the Lord like this, unless you make the money appear in my account, or you throw it out of heaven onto my bed, this is the last time I will see other physical people, and I, you know, it's not faith by hints. You say nothing, you have to just trust the Lord. It's not, you tell everyone the issue. You say nothing and you pray. So I said, this is the last time. And I came out of this little 
place I was staying, and I walked down the steps to where the church was, and a man came up to me, and it was, I had to pay literally that night to, and be left in the, in the morning, like four in the morning. And I came down the steps, and the man said, I don't know why I had a dream. I have to give you this money. <laughs> and I took it. I said, thanks. And then I gave it to that guy. I said, there we go. It was the exact amount. But that was easy for me in a sense, or easier for me because of something they did. So when you lay something down from the Lord, it goes far beyond your life. Far beyond. Can you pray for us? Yeah, by all means. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. Um, if you're sitting here and somehow this message has resonated with you and you've been through a season, and we've all been, I've been there a number of times, where you felt uncertainty or doubt knock at the door of your heart, I just want you to stand where you are over the promises of God. It's a real fact that will come knock on the door of your heart. Trust me. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus two things, Father that you would encourage your people that you will strengthen the inner beings by the power of your spirit and then Father I take authority over doubt and certainty in the name of Jesus Christ And I want to break it off your people, Lord. I want to break it off your people, Lord. For you have spoken. You, the God of all creation, has spoken these promises to your people. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. In Jesus' name. And then, Father, we thank you for your amazing faithfulness. Amazing faithfulness. I know in my own life, how there's things that I should have done and didn't do. Yet you remain faithful, 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 faithful. We thank you that you cannot deny yourself. You're a faithful God and you will watch over your word in our hearts to perform that word, Lord. And I thank you for it. I thank you for your precious promises over your people personally and over this body corporately. And we, through faith and patience, will inherit what you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, people. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Ken.
Thank you again to, vi to our visitors. Please drop off your connection card. If you're interested about anything to do with voting, there is a voter table with information about voting in the coffee bar area, and we will have a ministry team ready to pray for anybody. Otherwise, go have a wonderful week. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. Do you desire to grow closer to God but feel like something is holding you back? Our Living Free Ministry would love to help restore a deeper connection with Jesus. Appointments are available Wednesdays and Saturdays. For more information, contact livingfree at freelifechurchva.com. Kids Place is hosting an encounter night on Saturday, October 16th. This is an amazing time to bring your kids to worship the Lord in a kid-friendly atmosphere, followed by a fun fall party. Are you enthusiastic about the things happening here at Free Life Church? Do you have a strong, clear voice? We would love to have you on our announcement team. For more information about this great volunteer opportunity, contact the church office. Here at Free Life, we've made kingdom giving easy. Scan the code to access our giving platform. If you prefer to give by check or cash, simply drop your gift in one of the connect boxes around the building. We thank you for supporting all that God is doing in and through Free Life. Did you know that we have a prayer team that prays weekly for you? If you have a prayer request, scan the code here to complete the online form or fill out a connection card. We would love to pray for you. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.